please go to Isaiah chapter 13 very briefly. We looked at Babylon last week and we looked at Psalm 137, how the Hebrews made the case that it was better to kill their young uh, using stones before it got really bad with the captivity of course lasting 70 years and you think back to the uh, book of Lamentations when uh, Jeremiah wrote about cannibalism taking place so the Jews could survive that of course is found also back in earlier parts of the Old Testament but also the gods in Psalm 138 and a third view would be that the gods are found in Genesis chapter 6 having intercourse with the daughters of men and I don't believe they are the descendants of Seth but angels of God fallen angels so you've got three views uh, from Psalm 138 and uh, that additional footnote from Psalm 137 Isaiah 13 also builds on the uh, destruction of Babylon which for us living today is difficult to fully comprehend 13 verse 1 the burden of Babylon verse 6 how are ye for the day of the Lord is at hand second advent uh, look at verse 9 behold the day of the Lord cometh cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate uh, look at verse uh, 19 Babylon the glory of kingdoms a bit of sarcasm the beauty of the Chaldees excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah just burnt it to a crisp 20 it shall never be inhabited neither should it be dwelt in from generation to generation hasn't happened yet and uh, you're looking at uh, ancient Babylon of course being modern day Iraq but uh, in type Revelation 17 and 18 Rome will of course neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there there are no mosques in the Vatican City as of today there are no Bible believing churches in Vatican City as of today neither shall the shepherds make their fold one Larkin said that he he was of the belief that Babylon being uh, modern day Iraq would rebuild at a future point in time and uh, this scripture was used to make the argument it's possible of course you think back to the days of Saddam Hussein he started to rebuild Babylon back in the 1980s and of course when he was out when he was overthrown uh, in the early noughties the Americans built a huge base there so something is happening in that part of the world 21 but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there wild beasts and the houses shall be full of doleful creatures sad always crying you think about people that cut themselves and owls unclean animals shall dwell there and satyrs there's a half man and a half goat there's your baphomet or there's your Masonic symbol. Satyrs shall dance there. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses. And dragons in their pleasant palaces. The word dragon, according to the old Aramaic Targum, means demons, devils. Of course the term dragon was used to describe dinosaurs before the term was changed. And a time is near to come and her days shall not be prolonged. So just to put that down on tape for this morning... And I believe, go to Psalm 139, that what's going to happen uh, is that Babylon will be uninhabitable at a future point in time. And if you cross-reference that with Revelation 18 sometime, you'll see that very clearly pictured and painted. As of right now, people are living in Babylon, in Iraq, and also in Rome. But where the word of, where the, word of the Lord speaks about X, Y, and Z, if it hasn't happened yet, it will. 
Father God, we pray for your blessing today. We ask you to fill us with the Spirit of God. Uh, give us the ability to work through yet another powerful piece of scripture. It's been a tremendous blessing to do this over the last nearly four years. Every Sunday to go through your word without having to go to the Greek or the Hebrew to correct it. Or to straighten it up just to let it stand as it is. And allow you to, to do the work through us. We pray for all of our family around the world that are suffering today. A lot of people are going through a tough time at the moment, Lord. Not just because it's Christmas, where people get into depression and drink too much or do other things they should not, but due to being uh, cut off from family and friends. And uh, I'm thinking about one person who's missing at the moment and hasn't been seen for over a month. We're very concerned about her. Bless today's recording. Be with us, Father God. And uh, we ask you to bless the rest of this uh, week. And those that celebrate Christmas, be blessed. And those that don't, be blessed anyway. And we ask you to bless today's recording in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. So Psalm 139, David is, is, of course, the author. This will be week 197, which I won't be saying much longer. Hour, 139, interestingly. Uh, 139.5 hours. So 139 hours got us up to Psalm 139. You couldn't make it up, could you? O oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. We say, uh, he knows me inside out. We say, uh, she knows me better than anybody else. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, let's pick it up in uh, uh, 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, pick it up in verse uh, 9. But as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What does it say in John uh, 14? In my Father's house, many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you, so on and so forth. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, Holy Ghost. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Back to Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord! Thou hast searched me and known me. This is real intimacy. And you won't find this type of language in any other religion on the face of the earth. You've known me. You've searched me. Go to John chapter 1. Another good cross-reference. And uh, when the Lord takes his time to get to know a sinner, uh, not only are you truly blessed to be the uh, object of his affection, <laughs> but it comes at a price, of course. He'll watch you like a hawk. And that's good and it can also be bad. First John 1, uh, 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile, no deceit. That denotes Christ's omniscience. 48. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when, was on the, uh, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. That denotes his uh, omnipresence. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Of course, the latter part is for the second advent, but the first part was for the first advent. But he's pretty near. He just got his dispensation slightly mixed up, which is typical of the Jews. That's why they reject Jesus. They get the dispensations mixed up. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, 
and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That, of course, is his omnipotence. Back to Psalm 139, this time verse 2. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Book of Job, please. I started to read this yesterday, and I got some great uh, material from the book of Job for this morning's recording. It's always great how the Lord works. And uh, in Job chapter 1, uh, pick it up in verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job? Well, of course, that there is none like him in the earth. He's pretty rare. A perfect and upright man, not sinless. One that feareth God, number one, and escheweth evil. He runs from it. He won't even mess with it for five minutes. And, of course, the devil gets a good close look at uh, poor old Job go to chapter 2 look at verse 3 and the Lord said unto Satan has thou considered my servant Job second time that there is none like him in the earth a perfect and an upright man one that feareth God and eschewth evil and still he holdeth, he holdeth fast his integrity although thou movest me against him to destroy him without a cause without cause what would they say what would Christ say they hated me without a cause without cause Back to Psalm 139, verse 2. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine up-rising. Thou understandest my thoughts are far off. You know me inside out, Lord God. I can't hide anything from you, which is a way to be. Well, of course. And here we are trying to break this down with cross-references. And make it, real, really, uh, make it really applicable and really relevant, as they say. Uh, verse 3. Thou compass my path and my lying down. And art acquainted with all my ways. Back to the book of Job. This time Job 30, uh, 30, 31 it is. Yeah, 31 verse 4. Doth not he see my ways and counts all my steps? Well, of course. Back to 139 verse 3. Thou compassed my path, like you put uh, bounds around me. Uh, uh, see, Acts 17 speaks about the Lord send the boundaries for mankind. And of course, think back to Genesis chapter 11, when they refused to uh, move out of their jurisdiction or their uh, part of the world at that time. The Lord came down, struck them in different languages, and forced them to get out. That, of course, was their attempt to have a one world system in place. And no, get out repopulate the earth you got Shem, Ham and Japheth not just one people but three different people we're not the same incidentally women sing in a higher key than men and of course men uh, don't menstruate menstruate women do so don't think all gods are the same because they are not arts acquainted with all my ways you know me inside out I can't hide anything from you and that's pretty relieving that's pretty uh, it's pretty comforting also relieving to know at times that God sees and hears everything but of course at the same time you're messing around with this or that he knows it so watch out verse 4 for there's not a word in my tongue but lo O Lord thou knowest it all together Matthew chapter 12 please tongues words speech what we say and do is uh, a real problem for all of us the book of James speaks about animals being tamed which is pretty true almost every animal has been tamed apart from some uh, marine life 
And uh, but the tongue cannot be tamed. One minute you're praying, next minute you are telling jokes, innuendo, gossiping. Matthew twelve thirty. 36 but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment go to Romans chapter 10 and uh, let's build on this a little bit more Romans 10 uh, look at verse 8 but what saith it the word is nigh even excuse me the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 17 so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god back to psalm 139 please and uh look at verse 5 thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me like a safety perimeter now the lord allowed david to go quite far and to get into all sorts of issues and situations and of course it all worked out good in the end and David got a lot of slack given to him in ways that his son did not. And other sons of Israel did not. I mean, David was around 70 when he died. His son wasn't even 60. So you see the level of life is being shortened as we read through the Old Testament. And of course, for the New Testament, all of the apostles, they all had awful deaths, as were their disciples, going into the second and even early part of the third century. But David had a safety net, which we don't have. He was given grace in ways that we do not receive. He was still saved. Well, of course, without grace, nobody could be saved. But here, thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. The hand of the Lord was firmly upon King David. And again, in type, in some ways, in reference to New Testament saints, but not quite, because, of course, he was a priest, he was a prophet, he was a king and uh, he got away with things that's the right term uh, in ways that his descendants would not look at verse uh, look at verse uh, 6 such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high I cannot attain unto it go to Romans chapter 8 if you think about these things for a period of time it does uh, just blow your mind as they say and uh the more you read the word of God, the more you get a blessing, and the more you realize just how incredible how incredible Almighty God is. Romans 8 is a powerful chapter in the book of Romans. The entire book is a masterpiece, quite simply. And uh, Romans 8, let's pick it up in 2026. 20, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, infirmary, infirmities, sicknesses, illnesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Bit of a kick, bit of a dig. Going back to the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But the spirit itself, concerning the office of the Holy Ghost, maketh intercession for us with groanings, 
which cannot be uttered. This, of course, is the hypostatic union within the Holy Trinity, which is a very, very <laughs> uh, difficult subject to unpack, and I'll discuss it very briefly this morning. But basically, you think of a radio, uh, the old radios, you turn it on, you've got the static, haven't you? You go up and down the dial, trying to pick up a frequency, pick up a signal, and you've got the Father and the Son and the Spirit all speaking to one another in a way that we couldn't possibly understand. A hypostatic, static, hypostatic union within the, uh, the, the, uh, the Godhead, well, of course. Uh, 27, and he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God there's your cancer there's your diabetes there's your heart attacks there's your strokes there's your unemployment there's your divorce there's your remarriage uh, there's your adultery there's uh, homosexuality I mean it goes on and on and on if you're saved you're still saved to them who are the called according to his purpose he'll take whatever you go through even if it's your own stupid fault, so many time it is, and use it for his own glory and get you a blessing on the back end of it. Go back to Psalm 139. Uh, six again. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. You've searched me, verse 1. You know me, verse 1. You see me getting up and sitting down, verse 2. You put a limit around me in verse 3. Uh, there's not a word in my tongue. Uh, that you don't know about you know it's all together even the secret stuff you see and you despise as do I that's what he's going to build on to further say verse 7 whither shall I go from thy spirit to stop it there thy spirit now if you've got a King James Bible the chances are it's lowercase s uh, it may be capital S let me know in the comments if it's capital or lowercase s in my Bible it's lowercase s we get a bit uh, bit uh, pernickety now a little bit uh, I won't say fussy but a bit uh, pedantic I want to say a couple of things just very briefly got two views as to the nature of God is it capital S or lowercase capital. s you got capital yeah. I got lowercase s okay so there's two views when it comes to the Trinity of God you got the the Trinitarian position which we hold to that is one God one being three in person or the other view it's actually two parts of the other view it's the modalist slash oneness position the modalist position is that God is three parts not three persons they say this that God's uh, body is Jesus Christ and uh, his spirit is the Holy Ghost that's the modalist position the oneness position is a little simple a little similar to that but not quite the same they say that Jesus is the Father uh, Jesus is the Holy Ghost and Jesus is of course Jesus so basically Jesus is the Father and the Spirits and Jesus is speaking to himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. They call it the oneness position. But we hold to the triune position that God is one in being but three in person. So based on that and bear with me let's approach this verse in its entirety. 139 verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? The antecedent is verse 1 Lord. In the context it's Jehovah God well of course. But in David's mind, with his understanding, because of course the Trinity was veiled in the Old Testament, but it wasn't revealed until the New Testament. So he's saying to the Father, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? In other words, the Father's own spirit. But in Patrick's Bible, it's capital S, which would suggest it's the Holy Ghost. Which is okay. 
Lowercase? Yes. Lowercase s. Okay, which matches my King James, which, which makes which makes this message a bit more easier to unpack. Yes. So, therefore, it's the Father's own spirit. But bear with me. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Now we get into the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God, the omnipresence of God. And I'll spend a few moments this morning uh, showing you how this is going to work. David says, Whither shall I go from thy spirits? I'll say the Father's spirit. But the modalists will say it's the Holy Spirit, or the ones will say it's Jesus, basically. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And I mean hell. Go to John chapter 3. I watched a video last night. A guy wrote a book a few months ago about the Bible. And uh, it was painful to watch, I tell you. And he's written a book about the Bible. And uh, he said the book hasn't been translated ever. So I thought, here we are, what, 2023? Aren't we grateful to have a guy in England translate the Bible for the first time in 2,000 years? And yes, I'm being sarcastic. And I watched the whole thing, and he says in the Greek, doesn't say which Greek, there are seven Greek texts, which of course he didn't know, and ordered his audience. And in the Greek, he said the term, uh, you'll never die, he quotes John chapter 11, isn't there. So I got my textual receptors out for the first time in many years. I went online, did a quick word search to see if he was speaking the truth, and he wasn't. Now in the TR, just very briefly, it says, you will in no wise die, okay, no wise die. The King James translated to, uh, tra translated to save time, substituted that term, shall not die, that's three words for never die, never, okay, so three words were changed for one word, big deal. And he made a big song and dance about that term not being in the text and two words being left out, uh, without explaining it wasn't necessary in the first place, because of course how the text uh, was speaking about the resurrection, and life from the dead, life from uh, from the dead, so on and so forth. And he made some other comments which I thought were just completely uh, unfounded. And again, I went on to line check the Greek, which I never do, <laughs> and the English, which I never need to do. I got my TR out, checked it again, and he was wrong. I thought, here's a guy who spent 25 years of his life writing a book called His Bible to help all of us, you know, ignorant imbeciles to get a blessing from the word of God and yet what he was telling people was the fact that his Greek text whatever that Greek text was uh, didn't give him what he, what he wanted to have access to he was going with of course the Westcott and Hort Greek text anyway that's off my chest now John 3 yes it does annoy me when people mess around with the Bible especially my book the King James Bible get yourself another hobby uh, John 3 13 Jesus speaking and no man hath ascended up to heaven like on his own power don't forget to add that in because if you take this verse as it stands that knocks out Enoch and Elijah but he that but he that came down from heaven even son of man which is in heaven he's upstairs he's downstairs he's omnipresent and again these are attributes of God Almighty attributes of God Almighty and no man hath ascended up to heaven again by his own power but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Of course, Enoch was taken up, as was Elijah, through the power of God Almighty. Back to Psalm 139, please. And I appreciate those that have said that their Bibles have lowercase s in their King James Bibles. Okay, fine. That's the Spirit of the Father, I believe. But the modalist view will be slightly different to mine, as will the, uh, uh, the oneness position. Okay then, 
back to verse uh, seven. Whither shall I go from thy spirits? I can't get away, I can't get away from your spirits. You're everywhere at the same time. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? You see and hear everything. If I send up to heaven, and one day he would, thou art there. If I, if I make my bed in hell, that's the last place you want to end up. Behold, thou art there. Okay, let's open this up a bit more. Go to First uh, Peter chapter one. So as a Trinitarian, we say this, that God is obviously one, and uh, he's one in being, but three in person. And the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all part of the Godhead. They all, they're all one in unity, and yet they aren't the same. Because again, the modest position would have God as being three parts which kind of robs Jesus Christ of his glory if he, if he is his father's body, which was just a father, doesn't have a body of his own, which is true, he doesn't, he's a spirit, of course. But there's other problems with that, which I won't get into this morning. First uh, Peter 1, so let's look at three passages dealing with the omnipotence of God. The omnipotence of God, meaning all power, without power. First uh, Peter chapter, First Peter chapter one, this will be dealing with uh, the father. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So, of course, the Father is all powerful, which wouldn't which wouldn't be an issue for any Orthodox Jew. Uh, but go to Second Corinthians. Not only is the Father all powerful, but in Second Corinthians uh, twelve, Second Corinthians twelve, Paul tells us the following about the Son of God. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. He said unto him, being the Lord Jesus Christ, My sufficient, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, as a word again, infirmity, infirmities, that the power of Christ, antecedent again on Christ, may rest upon me. Go to Romans chapter fifteen. So the Father is all powerful, the Son is all powerful let's check the holy ghost out he gets overlooked sometimes in trinitarianism uh, he gives the holy ghost excuse me he gives the spirits excuse me he gives the gifts of the spirit uh, without measure if you are a preacher if you are an evangelist if you are a translator or a teacher or a pastor whatever you do in the body of christ that gift has come from the holy ghost he gave it to you through his own sovereignty uh, what did I say? Romans 15, 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power, power, power of the Holy Ghost. Okay, go to uh, Matthew chapter 10. So the Holy Ghost is all powerful. The Son is all powerful. The Father is all powerful. That's a beautiful picture of unity in the the Godhead, which technically doesn't mean the Trinity. Technically, the term Godhead means God's nature. Uh, but I won't spit hairs on that. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 10, please. Let's look at the uh, omniscience uh, of the Trinity, which means they know everything. Now, if your God doesn't know everything, he's not God. The devil has a lot of knowledge, but he's not all powerful. He's not all, no he's not all knowledgeable. He's not everywhere at the same time. He is limited. That's why he feels... Uh, lost people with unclean spirits they can be his eyes and his ears got to watch out for those people who are very religious especially this time of the year Christmas Eve uh, Matthew chapter 10 
Matthew chapter 10 and uh, look at verse uh, 29 are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father but the very hairs of your head are all numbered that pictures his power he knows all about you and all of your hairs are numbered not literally but he wouldn't say it wasn't so but in reference to your uh, your needs your practicalities whatever you have whether you've got hair or not it's not really the issue the point is, the point is he knows all about you and he'll take care of you because of course he has the power to do so so the so the father is omniscient okay he knows what's going on he can read your minds he knows what you're thinking before you even ask which is another powerful point when you get into the subject of prayer but not for this morning uh, go to revelation chapter 2 so the father is omniscient uh go to revelation chapter 2 let's check out the sun revelation chapter 2 and look at verse uh, 23 and i will kill her children with death not babies not infants don't get carried away you hear atheists like to quote this piece of scripture along with psalm 38 dash the little ones against the stones they have a real heart attack of course the little ones in psalm 38 were in reference to the jews suffering under the gentile reign and captivity which goes which goes back to my earlier comments how bad it must have been during that time and of course if you get upset with uh, history don't study world war one or world war two or don't spend any time looking at the news at the moment to just upset you but of course that's reality isn't it that's what man does he's good at killing one another and of course if you're an atheist you can't say it's wrong because what standard would you say or what standard would you cite to say it's wrong you can't there's no truth right there's no god right if there's no god there's no truth there's no truth there's nothing wrong it's all subjective and yet here's the thing you take that logic to its logical conclusion you break into somebody's house over the christmas period you steal all their goods and they come down middle of the night with a with a i don't know golf stick what can they say to you it's my truth right you have your truth i have my truth there's no god there's no right or wrong it's all subjective right but of course they won't say that will they they'll call the police there'll be a fight and they'll expect you to be prosecuted and put in prison and rightly so but the point i'm trying to make is without god you got chaos and that's why atheism is a religious hallucination uh revelation 2 let's look at the son of god is he omniscient is he omniscient omniscient 2 23 and i will kill her children with death a death cult her children being in reference to uh jezebel 20 uh, given off to, uh, given a chance to repent 21 they say no thank you they can adultery with her in 22 going back to Thyatira in 18 and this church are in a bad state and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts searcheth the reins and hearts and I will give unto every one of you according to your works now the term rain the term actually the term rain itself is from the root word arrest interestingly enough I checked this yesterday to arrest to reign we say uh, reign him in we say reign her in control him or her reign uh, search the reins and hearts and i will give unto every one of you according to your works you'll get your comeuppance don't worry about that so the son is able to know everything and here he'll deal with this uh jezebel set up like i say uh which is also linked to thyatira thyatira and he says also in verse 24 as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of satan count that a blessing and 
which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak I put upon you none of the burden so the son is able to read your thoughts as is the father let's check the Holy Ghost go to John chapter 14 get into the whole subject of Trinitarianism it's a real blessing but it's a real deep subject uh, of course the father generates the son the son sends a spirit and uh, they are all one in unity but they also have their own individuality they're not all the same they're not clones again it's a difficult subject to really unpack I won't do it this morning because there's no time to do it but one thing I can share this morning is they all share the same attributes of power knowledge and uh, uh, omnipresence I want John 14 26 but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name elsewhere the Lord sends the Holy Ghost another picture of unity there he shall teach you all things so he doesn't just give you a commission to preach teach or be an evangelist or die in a mission field like Eric Little would do in 1945 or David Brainard would do in Pennsylvania somewhere in the 18th century or people living in parts of the world today dying for the Lord being martyrs and I've got one sister in my mind who may have died a martyr's death in the last four weeks we don't know we'll discuss her shortly but the reality is you've got a gifting you've got a calling and he the Holy Ghost will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you so we got the father being uh, all knowledgeable the son two and the Holy Ghost so we've got one I've got two out of the three nailed down uh, omnipotence omniscient let's look at the omnipresence that means everywhere at the same time go to Jeremiah uh, chapter 23 Jeremiah chapter 23 uh, let's see now you've got two King James Bibles you've got the Oxford edition and the Cambridge edition they're not the same they don't match on every single point you'll find some Bibles have capital S for Holy Ghost some have lowercase s being uh, the Father's Spirit again a study when you get the chance to do so in your own time be good for all of you to do that including yours truly Jeremiah 23 Jeremiah 23 let's check out the Father now uh, Jeremiah 23 and uh, look at 20, uh, 24 can any hide himself in secret places that I should not see him saith the Lord again the Lord antecedents will be uh, verse 6 the Lord our righteousness uh, in 23 am I a God at hand saith the Lord and not a God and not a God afar off so I'll leave that in reference to God the Father but also in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ I will accept because of course the Lord our righteousness in uh, let's see now uh, Romans chapter 10 is the Lord Jesus Christ but here we'll say it's in reference to uh, God the Father based on uh, Jeremiah's limited, limited understanding of the nature of God Almighty. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? So we'll leave that in reference to the Father, but uh, we can still apply it to the Son as well. 
based on what I just said. Let's go to Matthew uh, 18. Let's see if the sun is everywhere at the same time, omnipresent. And uh, in Matthew chapter 18, look at verse uh, verse uh, 20, Jesus speaking. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Okay, so he's also omnipresent. Let's check out the Holy Ghost. Go to Matthew 28, the famous uh, Great Commission, which is still legally binding on all of us for today. Matthew 28, and to pick it up in verse 19. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, number one, and of the Son, number two, and of the Holy Ghost, number three, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, including the Father and the Holy Ghost, even unto the end of the world, amen. So I think, I believe, back to Psalm 139, that we've proven this morning, in a very brief way, that the Father is all-powerful, as is the Son, as is the Holy Ghost. They're all omniscient, and they're all omnipresent. If they weren't, or if you couldn't prove that from Scripture, you'd have a problem within Trinitarianism, because there are some who believe that the Son is inferior to the Father in every possible way. That causes the Arian heresy that the Son uh, was a created being. That, of course, is a Jehovah's Witness uh, heresy, which they hold to. Let's continue on. 139... Uh, Verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. I've got you safe in my hands. Go to, back to the book of Job. And uh, Job, is a, Job is a strange book. It's a very powerful book. I've got a picture here of a man who was impeccable, perfect and upright. Chapter 1, verse 1 as was uh, Jacob, not, not Jacob, as was uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah in the book of Luke. And yet when the Lord tests Zechariah Zachariah out, he starts to flip-flop and he can't speak for a period of time. All of your best saints, when push comes to shove, they all fall flat on their face, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Job chapter 1 and uh, look at 21 he's lost he's lost 10 children he's lost uh, most of his livestock the devil's been able to hit him hard uh in verse uh 14 15 16 uh 17 18 19 20 he tears his clothes falls down and worships god almighty and said naked came out of my mother's womb and naked Shall I return thither and watch it? The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Going back to his words, condemning him or justifying him. What a remarkable statement. There's one more. We'll get back to that shortly. Back to 139. Look at uh, 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Back to Job 2. 
and uh, pick it up in verse uh, 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? What do they say? Uh, holier than thou, you old Pharisee. And here the old wife is uh, trying to pull him down. Curse God. What great advice. <laughs> and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh, like the peasants, uh, infidels. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And it was evil what he experienced due to the Lord allowing the devil to take him apart. In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? Again, words can uh, condemn you to the Lord. Or they can commend you to the Lord. Watch your mouth carefully. Psalm 139. Uh, look at verse uh, 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night, uh, but the night shineth as a day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Bit of poetry there. For thou hast possessed my reins. Now again, the term reins. Two definitions here. We say he's going to rein him in. He's going to rein her in. Uh, he's taken the reins. You know, you think of a car to control. Quick, get the, and take the reins. Or a ship at sea and it's lost its control. Quick, you know, take the reins. But here, slightly different meaning. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Double application to the term here, my reins goes back goes uh, concerns the lower part of his back, the kidney area. Now all this is really quite detailed, and it gets quite technical now. So bear with me. But thou hast possessed my reins, not just my uh, outward uh, salvation, if you will, my inward salvation as well. You got my kidneys, you got my uh, inner being at heart, or my best interests at heart. I really can't be lost, which is a great picture. Once saved, always saved. But you've got double application here. Look at 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Americans say awesomely made. Awesome. Faithfully, fearfully, wonderfully made. Just awesome. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Back to Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. And... Uh, Look at uh, verse 11. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Now, if you hold to the belief that conception doesn't begin at life, then, of course, you've got a problem with this passage. We believe that conce conception begins at life. Look at it again. Why died I not from the womb? Like a miscarriage, possibly or being born prematurely but death is clearly the picture here why did I not give up the ghost that's his spirit when I came out of the belly look at uh, 16 or as an hidden untimely birth I had not been as infants which never saw light so the belief that light does not begin at conception is hugely problematic uh, if you really press that to its logical conclusion I'll give a quick story. It may have been back in 1998, before 2000, there was a terrorist attack in Northern Ireland. Uh, it may come to me in a moment. Was it the Shannon, Shannon bombing? Something like that. One of those awful bombing attacks in Northern yeah. Ireland. And uh, a woman was murdered with two children. She had two twins inside of her womb. And our brother in Belfast might know the location in Northern Ireland. He was listening this morning. And... Uh, <clears throat> 
the judge got the guys, well, they found the guys who did that bomb back in 1998, 1999. It was before 2000. I remember so well. And he said, right, you're going to get three life sentences for killing that woman who was pregnant with two unborn babies. There was no product product of conception. It was, no, she was pregnant with two, uh, two infants, two twins. And that guy, whoever he was, name escapes me, got three life sentences because she was carrying life, infants, verse 16 ghost verse 11 death verse 11 so all these passages paint a very clear picture that conception does take place uh life takes uh, life takes place at conception i've got a verse in my hit mind here go to matthew 12 just briefly i'm not sure why i've written this down in my, in my bible uh let's check it if it's if it's relevant matthew 12 yeah okay I'll come back to that in a minute keep your hand in matthew 12 we'll come back to that in a minute now this is what we call double application you've got david the son of jesse speaking and david the son of jehovah speaking which we know as bible believers but unbelieving jews do not believe it and uh job held his nerve and he took it on the chin and of course we know the rest he got blessed at the end of the book of job but his wife couldn't control her emotions and that's why women are not supposed to be in the ministry uh, because it gets quite difficult and it deals and you deal with a lot of personal stuff a lot of the time 139 still uh i will praise thee verse 14 for i am fearfully and wonderfully made it's like just struck with awe when you think about the human uh, components how we're so different marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well my substance was not hid from thee when i was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts lowest parts of the earth that's not the son of jesse go to isaiah 44 that of course is the son of jehovah uh let's see now i want isaiah 44 and I want, uh, let's see now, I want Psalm 63, and I want, I think Isaiah, not Isaiah, I want Ephesians 4. Let's start in Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, yeah, Isaiah 44, 20, let's see now. Isaiah 44 yeah here we go 44:23. sing O ye heavens for the Lord hath done it shout ye lower parts of the earth break forth into singing ye mountains O forest and every tree therein for the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel how could he do that without a virgin birth but of course he could not something's happening here go to uh psalm 63 psalm 63 see satan thought that job would just lose it altogether and he thought he'll start cussing you out to your face he'll start you know screaming and shouting at you he wanted him to do that of course he didn't do it which really did make the devil infuriated his wife couldn't control her temper 
and of course Joe had to slightly rebuke her uh, but elsewhere you got other accounts where it's sometimes in reverse like the apostles all ran for the hills and the women uh, stood firm so it's not always the it's not it's, it's not always the case of course I want Psalm 63 63 verse 9 but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth Ephesians chapter 4 lower parts of the earth now the Apostles Creed spoke about the Lord going into hell which of course he did that got twisted around 70 years ago or so by certain charismatics to suggest that Christ had to be born again which of course is ridiculous <coughs> they called him the first born again man would you believe and Joyce may have preached that for a long time until she got a bit of heat and she pulled that message from the internet you can't find it now it's been deleted from the internet uh, because she realized she made a fool of herself but it wasn't just her I think uh, Benny Hinn believes that as well and Kenneth Copeland it's just an absolute travesty of a doctrine to hold to Ephesians 4 and look at verse uh, pick it up in verse 8 wherefore he saith when he, has, when he descended excuse me when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men now that he ascended what is it but that also he but that also he but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things okay let's go back to psalm 139 look at it again my substance was not hid from thee when i was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest lowest parts of the earth there's one more genesis chapter 2 and i think that what you got here uh is in reference to adam of course is a type of the last adam and in genesis chapter 2 uh, and the gold of that land is good there is bedlam and the onyx stone that of course is found in verse 12 and uh, go to numbers 11 briefly and uh this uh bedlam that's the right pronunciation for it or bedlam is a stone or a pearl now in uh numbers chapter 11 look at verse i think it's seven uh, 11 11 7 and the manna was as coriander seed coriander seed and the color thereof as the color of a bedlam 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 you got a stone or a pearl of some kind which you find also in revelation 22 and the point i'm trying to make here is that adam is somehow tied to gold in genesis chapter 2 and of course the gold comes from the earth it's like a secret uh, part of the earth's component that's why you have all these countries fighting over the earth that's why china wants taiwan they got those components haven't they from the earth that you have in your mobile phones uh, what do they call those things uh, 
what's the term they use for those minerals from the from the earth they use those for the phones yeah, uh, anyway in Revelation 22 you've got the uh, the stones found in 20 and also in I think it's earlier this book as well uh, here we are. in Revelation 21 you've got uh, 12 pearls uh, from verse 11 and verse 12 a wall great and high had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and names written thereon which are the names of the 12 tribes children of Israel on the east three gates north three gates so on and so forth and you got the uh, the sapphire verse 19 a jasper verse 19 uh, emerald verse uh, 19 sardius uh, the beryl topaz and you got the pearl also in verse 21 and the 12 gates were 12 pearls every several gate was of one pearl and through the city was pure gold going back to adam some are being tied to gold of course gold is the highest commodity go back to uh psalm 139 so i think what you've got from this particular psalm isn't just david speaking about his own birth uh, he wasn't that uh egotistical of himself but it's jesus christ ultimately who was created in secret and uh the virgin birth was of course prophesized back in isaiah chapter seven and to put christ on the on up uh, to put christ on the throne to bypass uh, one of the bad kings was it uh Kanani, was it Kanani? Kanani, one of the guys names can't remember his name he's found over in jeremiah 23 to put christ on the throne the lord bypassed that cursed line and gave mary the virgin but of the virgin but of the virgin birth of course Let's try and finish this psalm we're running over time 139 verse 16 thine eyes to see my substance yet being unperfect i'm still growing in the womb basically and in thy book all my members were written the book of the lord uh you think about the dna code uh the dna in all of us is so different somebody once said the dna in each and every one of us could go to the moon and back i think 15 times over you can't possibly comprehend that it's just so technical i mean all your members are written your eyes your ears fingerprints even twins i don't think they have identical fingerprints i'm, I'm sure they don't uh, which in continuance for fashion like developing when as yet there was none of them what a beautiful picture of a child a child growing in its mother's womb and of course david is part in the picture but i think ultimately the lord jesus christ how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. That's a picture also of the resurrection. When I awake, I am still with thee. Also in reference to uh, David. Book of Acts speaks about him seeing corruption, whereas the Lord Jesus Christ did not. 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked O god one day he will depart from me depart from me therefore ye bloody men revelation 16 please bloody like bloodthirsty those that are quick to shed blood like cain back in genesis and revelation 16 look at verse uh, 6 
for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. 17 verse 6 And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Verse 16, same chapter. And the ten horns which thou sawest from the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. You've got the reference here, 16 verse 6. You've got 17 verse 6. You've got 6, 6, 6. You've got the woman in verse seven in chapter 17 verse 6. Uh, guilty of the blood of the saints. And back end of uh, eight, back end of 17 going into 18. Ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast. These shall hate the whore. There's the Catholic church I believe. Make her desolate and naked. As of right now she sits about. She, she struts her stuff as a queen. Uh, eat her flesh. Kind of ironic. They say this is the body of Christ. Hold up the wafer and if you reject it. You, you are put to death for that. Burn her with fire. But also. Back to 16.6. Uh, thou hast given them blood. To drink. That Eucharist they hold up. And uh, the older boy rings the bell. That of course is transubstantiation. The belief that wine has become blood and the wafer has become flesh yeah. they'll kill you for that if you don't believe that yeah. <clears throat> now we open this recording this morning looking at uh was it uh isaiah 13 about the arabian wouldn't uh, be present in babylon and uh, you go to rome today there's no mosques there there's no bible believing churches there there's no synagogues there but there could be they're so quick for the ecumenical movement aren't they but their own city in Rome isn't open to Muslims or Jews or even Christians. So hypocritical. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. 19 again. Depart from me therefore, ye bloody men. David the less speaking, but ultimately the David the greater, of course. What would he say? Depart from me, workers of iniquity. For they speak against thee wickedly. And thine enemies take thy name in vain. Oh yeah, Hollywood, JC, OMG, GD, go to Romans chapter 2 please. I went to Romania many years ago and it was a great blessing for me being saved just under a year. Met up with, a, with an elderly American couple, now with the Lord. I was there for just a week and uh, they took me around their part of uh, Budapest, no Bucharest. Bucharest, let's get Bucharest, to yeah. Bucharest, not Budapest, Bucharest. Yeah, Bucharest. Bucharest yeah. And uh, it was freezing cold, I remember, it was middle of, middle of, middle of the winter. And they had all these houses they were looking after, and all these young mothers, single mothers, and some disabled people, and some boys, and some homeless people. What a blessing, I tell you, what a blessing it was. And I got up to preach at these different homes that they were running, and uh, went out one night with Ron, he was the husband of. Uh, his wife whose name escapes me uh, Sue, Ron and Sue and uh, went to the house one evening one of the houses one evening and uh, it was thick snow on the ground went into the property with him and had the TV on in, in one of the rooms I thought wow I've got TV on mm -hmm. of course that was to keep him calm I guess and uh, one of the girls there, 17, 18 shout out JC just actually boomed it out through the hallway and old Ron just went crazy he was from Texas 
and he had high blood pressure at the time and he went up to this woman he was really in her face in Romanian that Slovak tongue and I thought wow and he was really sort of giving her dressing down I said and why you got TV in the houses you know to let these kids hear you know Hollywood and all that stuff he didn't really have a good answer for me but he's the problem is they're picking up the English which is good but they're getting all the blasphemy as well which of course is not good for they speak against thee wickedly and thine enemies take thy name in vain what would Jesus say uh, slay my enemies before me he hates all workers of iniquity he's angry with the wicked every day so there's two forms of blasphemy here uh, Romans 2 gives you the other version of blasphemy the first one is JC like I say OMG JD which even to this day still really cuts me deep when I hear people blaspheme God's name yeah. take my name in vain if you want but don't take his name in vain it just is completely unacceptable but here's another type of blasphemy Romans 2 uh, let's pick it up in uh, verse uh, pick it up in verse 21 thou therefore which teachest another teaches thou not thyself well that's a kicker thou that preachest a man should not steal does thou steal you're still downloading music are you you're still copying sermons or burning dvds or this or that thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery does thou commit adultery you still got a wandering eye men and women it goes both ways thou that abhorrest idols look it does thou commit sacrilege there'll be people going to church over the weekend this weekend specifically with christmas day tomorrow they'll be looking at statues in catholic churches high anglican orthodox churches and they'll be, they'll be, you know, they've, got, they've, got, they've got these statues these idols on display and just by being present you are condoning of it right well of course look at it again thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery does thou commit adultery number one thou that abhors idols does thou commit sacrilege you got a statue in your house you got a picture of jesus somewhere a statue of mary somewhere for the name of god is blasphemed among the gentiles through you as it is written for circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law but if thou be a breaker of the law thy circumcision is made uncircumcision and on top of that you are guilty of transgressing the law 27 which goes back to being a blasphemer in 24 in other words if you say you are a believer the world will watch you like a hawk back to Psalm 139 please and if you're messing around with statues or idols or this or that or your eyes wandering uh, that pretty girl or that pretty boy whatever your sexuality is you know you're going to be guilty of x y and z and people who know you are a christian will then say he does it why can't i do it you see that's how it works and they'll get you that way 139 verse uh, 21 do not i hate them O lord that hate thee and am i not grieved and am not i grieved with those that rise up against thee this is a tough one go to ezekiel chapter 9 you're told to love your enemies you're told to turn the other cheek uh but in ezekiel 9 i'll give you a parallel passage to this particular scripture so count your blessings you're not an old testament saint because if you were a prophet in the old testament if you were a man of god in the old testament as a prophet you were told to kill the lord's enemies do you realize that but for the for the new testament you're told to turn the other cheek i saw a video last night a huge youtube channel it was called the door i think very famous very famous very popular youtube channel 200,000 subscribers 
And this old boy came on, I forget his name, and he put a 12 minute video up about bearing arms and how Christians should bear arms for the ministry's sake. I thought, hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought, no, in the book of Acts, do you find the apostles ever using weapons to defend themselves or to take out enemies of the cross? Self defense at home, okay, fine. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But on the street, you can't start taking weapons onto the streets. Sticks or machetes, or if you are in America, a, a gun or something more powerful than that, like a submachine gun. Come on. And this guy took two verses from the New Testament and completely overlooked the book of Acts, which shows you what the early church actually did. They got beaten, they got whipped. I mean, they all died horrific deaths. Some were crucified in ways you couldn't imagine. Some were decapitated. John was put into boiling hot water. He wasn't carrying a weapon. Got to watch some of these famous YouTubers. They get so carried away. And their audiences are just in awe of them. Ezekiel 4. Excuse me, Ezekiel 9. Ezekiel 9. Pick it up in verse uh, 4. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, to the midst of Jerusalem, and said, A mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh, and that, by, and that, and that, and that cry, for the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. There's your mark with the beast, but in reverse. And to the others, he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Look at verse 6. Slay, utterly, old and young, both maids, little children, or not yet married, and little children, and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. In contrast, Revelation 7, 11, 144,000 are marked. You can't touch them. And begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house. There's a complete wipeout. You've got, a, you've got Ezekiel, a priest, a prophet, going around marking those uh, who are going to be spared. And those that aren't marked are going to be destroyed. You think back to the book of Exodus, the blood over the doorpost. That kept them safe. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And uh, those that put the blood over the doorpost were safe. Those that did not perished. Picture, of course, of those who die without Christ. 139, uh, 22 again. I hate them with perfect hatred. That's pretty powerful stuff. I count them mine enemies. Going back to blasphemers, verse 20. Bloody men, verse 19. Go to Job chapter 10. The more you read this book, the more you realize how difficult it is to follow this book. All this talk about Lordship Salvation. You try and follow this to the letter, you'd have no friends within five minutes. You'll be just, you'd be in, you'd be in an asylum center, quite honestly. You've got to be very careful how you, how, you, how you apply the word of God. This is an Old Testament passage dealing with the Jews under the law, a theocracy. David is a king, he has the power. Where the word of a king is, there's power. But for the New Testament, this is the complete opposite to what you would be expected to do. Got to make that clear. Some people get this book all back to front. People like Jim Jones and David Koresh. I mean, look at David Koresh, all those weapons he had in Waco, Texas. Mm. Enough to, you know, take care of an army or two. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Job 10, 10, uh, 10, uh, let's see now. Uh, I've got 10, 20 here. Has thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Not sure what that's in reference to. Okay, well, every so often I get the wrong verse here. Uh, but anyway, I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. So David is in line with Ezekiel. And uh, 
you can't really apply that technically or doctrinally to the New Testament apart from uh, if I give you one example how you, may be, how you might be able to do this go to 2nd Corinthians uh, no go to Ephesians uh, 5 this is the nearest I can get to in Ephesians 5 New Testament to harmonize this uh, let's see now 5 yeah 510 proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret that's about as far as I can go I'm trying to put those two verses together or two passages together but you've got to be very careful with this book you're dealing with the Holy Bible 139 still let's try and finish this this morning 139 23 search me O God what do they say search engine search for this search for that search me O God it starts in verse 1 thou hast searched me and know me search me O God and know my hearts aha uh -huh. try me and know my thoughts that's the problem of course uh, go to Jeremiah 17 Jeremiah 17 look at verse uh, 17 verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things that's your heart that's my heart that's all of our hearts and desperately wicked who can know it I the Lord search the hearts again I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings going back to God being omniscient omnipotent omnipresent and he, ser he searches the hearts according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doings go to Hebrews chapter 11 here's a flip side to this David says uh, search me out he says uh, you know my heart they say uh, my heart belongs to you uh, they say he broke my heart she broke my heart all this terminology they use from the Bible without realizing it Hebrews 11 and uh, look at verse uh, 17 by faith Abraham when he was tried tested offered up Isaac type of Christ and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son so he got tested he was searched out and he came through Abraham and uh, David was searched and he too came through for the Lord search me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts I'm going to say this in reference to not being amongst the wicked in 19 in reference to not being part of the blasphemers in verse 20 in reference to being made in secret 15 but of course that's double application in reference to already being possessed in verse 13 like controlled not just internally but also externally in reference to the Lord holding his hand in verse 10 and 24 and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting on the way the truth and the life go back to the book of Job and we'll close so David and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, Paul and uh, Ezekiel all have many 
things in common, but uh, in Job chapter 1, I'll show you something else very briefly uh, when it comes to being tried and tested. And uh, you go to Job chapter 1 and then go back to Psalm 139. And I'll just show you one other thing quickly. We've gone way over time this morning, but it's all good. Uh, let's see now. What did I say? Uh, Here. Okay. Uh, Job chapter 1. So here's a picture of a man being tested and tried. Uh, like uh, Abraham and came through. Like David and came through in Job. Who's way back in the Old Testament. Just for the record, he had no priest. As far as we know, he had no prophets. As far as we know, he had no scripture. As far as we know, he is an Old Testament saint living under grace, not the law, with no revelation of God Almighty. He's going purely by conscience. Think about that. There's no text to go to. There's no Torah. There's no Genesis. This is the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, written by Moses. And uh, it's just incredible. Job chapter 1. Uh, pick it up in verse 5. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, going back to his seven sons, inviting their three sisters over in verse 4, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all going back to Genesis chapter 4 when men began to call the name of the Lord for Job said it may be that my sons not daughters have sinned and cursed God in their hearts thus did Job continually his children are having a party or two and he knows what his children are capable of doing and he says in case my sons have sinned I'm going to clean them up, sanctify them, and offer sacrifices for all of them. There's no misogyny here. People say, well, men, this and that. No, here, the word of God says that Job would hold his sons accountable for whatever went wrong. The men always carry the women. You think of any firefighter, any special forces soldier, any builder or, you know, plumber or electrician, most are men. They die more than women. They die at a higher rate than women. They carry the burden. And that's why Christ was a man, not a woman. And here Job said, I'll sacrifice on behalf of my sons in case they have cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So next time you come across people attacking men and calling men chauvinistic, misogynistic, let's say about the apostle Paul or other people in the word of God, just take them here to this piece of scripture. So here's a picture of a man in the Old Testament who put the blame on the uh, who put the blame at the feet of his sons, not his daughters, and because of that he sacrificed on behalf, on behalf of his sons because he held them accountable for the uh, behavior of their sisters who were under the who are under the authority of their brothers. Just quick footnotes, which I wanted to put on tape for this morning. I thought it was very relevant uh, for this morning's recording. <laughs>